Hello there, and welcome to the uh, Investigative Economics Podcast. I'm your host, uh, Llewellyn Jones. Uh, today's uh, episode six, all things uh, Bitcoin. Um, we've had a number of stories about uh, Bitcoin over the past uh, couple years or so. Uh, I will say that, you know, uh, I, there was some hesitancy on my part about writing about Bitcoin because, you know, besides the fact that it's just sort of technically complicated and new and uh, which all makes it very interesting. But, you know, it, was it a novelty? I, I wonder if that's why, you know, the larger journalism world has has not written about it outside of, you know, sort of niche financial uh, publications. Um, but, you know, sort of eventually you realize that, no, there's a lot of money in this and uh, it does affect the larger world. It's not just, you know, you know, about, uh, you know, as if people were collecting baseball cards or something like that. Um, and it is very interesting. I got to say that, you know, once you, if you do appreciate the technical details and in a way, it's also a, a way to look at finance that a lot of the things that are happening with Bitcoin happen in the larger financial world. We just don't get to see the details as much. Um, and a lot of crazier things are happening that we'll uh, touch on. Um, but first we'll, we'll sort of start out with, you know, uh, what is Bitcoin? Not, not in the sense of, you know, like how does it work, the blockchain, all these things like that. But, you know, what is it, what is it being used for? Is it, you know, people tend to think that, oh, it's just, you know, it's nonsense. Uh, it's all, it's all a, a con and that it's only used for drug deals and uh, money laundering and blackmail and things like that. So why would anybody get into it? But then again, a lot of you know, the uh, mainstream financial world is getting into it. So you know, maybe there's something to it. Um, but um, I mean, one thing I think it, it's good to know is that, and this, this is our first story we'll start out, is that um, is it a currency? Like that's like, you'll hear a lot of this sort of discussion about Bitcoin is that like, oh, it's not this fiat currency that's determined by the U.S. government who uh, just says what the value is. You know, this is actually... Um, this is, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a truer currency that uh, the rest of the world will come to accept. Um, and as a currency, that doesn't really seem to be the case. That in general, nobody uses uh, Bitcoin to really buy anything outside of, um, you know, drug deals and things like that. Uh, there are some other kind of niche uh, oddball things that get used. You hear about every once in a while, be like, oh, there's this pizza place in New York that takes Bitcoin. Um or some, you know, uh, some internet service online that takes Bitcoin. But in general, you don't hear about it being used as a currency whatsoever. And that's because the effective uh, inflation rate of Bitcoin is, at a, well, at a time that we wrote the story, it was negative 35%. Um, it's massively deflating. And that's, I mean, that's sort of the, the reason why it's going up in value so much is that uh, that means that it, it's... Uh, its value is changing as a currency like that is, you know, is very volatile. Uh, I mean, that's why people are, you know, investing in it is they want it, it to go up in value uh, and then they can sell it and make a lot of money that way. But it, uh, in terms of a currency, if you're trying to, you know, buy a gallon of milk or sell a gallon of milk, um, that, uh, you know, if you have the price on it one day as, you know, X, X number of Bitcoin, and the the value changes within a day, um, then uh, you are char not charging it very well. Nobody's going to buy it from you uh, because uh, it's the previous amount is going to be too expensive, um, and vice versa. The if the price is going down, just like uh, you in general, like if you see situations of hyperinflation where things are just changing so dramatically that people just have to change the prices on their goods constantly. And uh, 
I think a good example of this is if um, Overstock.com is like one of the a very uh, very mainstream business online that's will accept Bitcoin. I think they still do. I mean, they did it at least like a year ago. You can buy things in Bitcoin. Um, but what they do is they essentially they uh, they price it in dollars, and then the price in Bitcoin sort of just constantly fluctuates with the, the exchange rate for the U.S. dollar to the Bitcoin. So uh, you might see a couch on there for $100 one day, and it might be, you know, two Bitcoins that day. But then the next day, it'll still be $100 uh, for that couch but then if the price of the exchange rate for bitcoin changed then the bitcoin price will have changed and then at that point you know why why use bitcoin for that um uh you know one aspect of uh, i found out by just sort of testing out with bitcoin is that you have to pay for gas and it doesn't get talked about so much is that the, the transaction price of for uh for using for moving it around um and that can be kind of substantial so it's quite a lot more than um like a credit card uh, transaction. It's going to be like a few dollars or so. I mean, it really depends on the coin you're using and uh, the time of day and all these, some other factors I have no idea anything about. Um, but so like all these things make up, like why would you bit, use Bitcoin unless you just didn't want to, but yeah, why, why would you want to use it? Just to, there, there doesn't seem to be a good point in using it as a currency. And that's why you just don't see it being used as a currency. You can always just trade in your Bitcoins for dollars and you'll have a lot more options available. Um, so that gives an idea of like, well, yeah, it's not going to be, it's not a currency. Um, so, you know, what exactly is it being used for? Um, and uh, that uh, I think we'll take a look at um, what's happening uh, in what happened in China with Bitcoin is that, um, was it back in was it 2020 or is it 2020? Sorry, 2021, where uh, China banned the use of uh, cryptocurrencies throughout the country. Um, and, you know, they're saying it was being used for money laundering, ex excessive energy usage. And what they probably they didn't say out loud. I mean, the, the probably is being used with money laundering uh, and excessive energy usage seems quite apparent that um, that after they made the ban, the the. Uh, the coal price, coal prices in China dropped considerably and that they had been going up for like the last, uh, t five, 10 year, maybe, sorry, actually, but more like three years. Um, and that's the implication is that like all the, uh, the, uh, the mining operations, the Bitcoin mining operations were just using a lot of energy and with China uses, gets a lot of their energy from coal. Uh, and it was driving up the price of coal. And once they stopped, they banned the uh, Bitcoin, the, the price drops. So, um, and, you know, they just used a ton, a ton of coal and they're set to build like at the time, 43 more plants. But, um, one other thing about that is that you can see that there's just, um, a huge amount of, uh, financial transactions related to the yuan that, uh, come out of, with the growth of Bitcoin that, uh, previously that, uh, the yuan was just like not a currency that anybody traded in. Uh, I don't know. It wasn't, uh, it's, it's value didn't sort of, uh, fluctuate with the, uh, uh, on the foreign markets at all. Uh, and it was only in 20, 2005 that they allowed it to sort of fluctuate at all. And even after that, it wasn't, didn't change very much in general. Yuan is not like a high value currency, like, uh, us dollars and Euro and things like that. They devalue it regularly to keep prices cheap, to make sure people are buying stuff from China. Um, 
So, you know, why would anybody want to hold on to those those yuans uh, if you're a foreign exchange trader? Uh, you're just going to take a loss. Um, but it, after 2010, just the amount of uh, trading in the yuan just takes off. It's like goes from, you know, you know, 250, uh, sorry, go, goes from like uh, less than 50 billion a year to 250 billion a year within within a decade. Um and uh, the, uh, there is, it becomes the most traded currency uh, besides the Barani dinar, um, uh, just in uh, uh, in in value. And so that's like, I mean, in total volume, if you look at it, it's always going to be the U.S. dollar and the euro because people want those. They're non-volatile currencies that uh, they're not fluctuating a lot, and you can sort of trust it for international transactions. That's why uh, you know. You know, uh, oil purchases and sales always happen in the U.S. dollar, the petrodollar, um, because it's, it's stable. Um, but so in the, the implication is that it really seems like uh, Bitcoin is enabling a lot of foreign transactions uh, moving around of Chinese dollars, whether that's, you know, locals in China trying to get their money out before it becomes devalued again. Um, and, you know, it's hard to say or if it's. Uh, companies or something like that that just want to move around and avoid uh, the foreign exchange transaction fees or just, you know, moving money back and forth for whatever reason. Um, but it just seems like it's sort of correlated with uh, the Bitcoin uh, volume uh, trading that went up since 2010. Um, you know, it's not a guarantee of that, but it just seems like they, they might be heavily connected. If not, uh, if not connected, then related in some other uh, indirect way. So, I mean, and talking about like foreign exchange uh, rates and, and, and Bitcoin um, it lead into the, the next story, sort of get an idea of like what's happening uh, in the Bitcoin world that, you know, you can see it being used as a foreign exchange uh, vehicle, so to speak, or just in general international transfers. Um, but is that, uh, and this is sort of to eliminate this sort of myth that uh, Bitcoin was an inflation hedge that um, during the, the the massive run up in Bitcoin price uh, in the beginning in, in 2021, and this is when uh, you start we started seeing like these uh, ads during the Super Bowl, the FTX ad for uh, investing in cryptocurrencies, and there's some other ads on TV that like you know cryptocurrencies are trying to be uh, a real thing now, not just uh, a niche financial kind of quirky thing, but they're appealing to the general populace at this point. Um, is that uh, some investors from somebody from uh, Goldman Sachs and this other uh, um, uh, big name uh, hedge fund manager Paul Tudor Jones came out and said like, oh, it, you know, Bitcoin, it's it's a store of value. It's like gold. You know, you when you think uh, markets are going to be volatile, you put your money in things like gold because it may not return a lot of money, but it's not going to collapse in price uh, dramatically. Um, and as we know now with Bitcoin, that was absolutely not true. That was totally wrong. Um, that uh, the Bitcoin price crashed uh, in 2022 and took a lot of the crypto industry with it. Um, I'm still dealing with all the fallout from that. You know, we'll get into FTX and all these other ones uh, shortly. But um, but yeah, anybody who thought it was just like a store of value, just put your money in Bitcoin and just leave it there, uh, probably lost a lot of money. Um, and that instead, 
uh, what uh, Bitcoin seems like it actually does is that it actually tracks with uh, <clears throat> inflation in the U.S. That um, the the change in the CPI, um, the Consumer Price Index, which is what determines inflation, you know, the basket of goods that uh, the average basket of goods and what their prices are, um, that the Bitcoin price follows that pretty closely. That in 2021, as it started going up. Uh, as the CPI inflation started going up from post pandemic, um, that, uh, you know, all the government spending, uh, you know, it was pushing up inflation, um, and that's, uh, the Bitcoin prices went up around the, uh, very close to around the same time. Uh, and when they came back down, uh, in, inflation started easing, uh, earlier this year, uh, uh, that's, um, the Bitcoin price started going down as well. And that's when the crash happened. Um, that, uh, and then there are certain times in the uh, middle of March when they almost, uh, in March in 2021 is like where there was this, this substantial dip and it happened in both. It happened in the change in the CPI and, and Bitcoin prices. Um, and that, and that during that dip is almost like where they, uh, were almost in lockstep with one, um, with uh, sort of Bitcoin uh, predicting is almost like a few months ahead of time because CPI only comes out monthly. Uh, Bitcoin is, you know, the, 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 the daily, there's a daily price that you can track immediately. So um, Bitcoin is able to sort of uh, presage uh, the CPI a little bit. And uh, it'd be, it'd be interesting to sort of like, uh, I may get into sort of creating a proper model to see if there's other, um, uh, factors that could actually make it uh, uh, map one to one or closer to one to one, but in general, c- correlation values between sixty six and seventy, um, depending depending on the which time frame you're using it in, uh, I thought it was pretty substantially close. And um, with uh, CPI uh, predicted inflation supposed to be easing off, um, Bitcoin prices will continue to decline. Uh, that's or at least that's the prediction. Um, which I can totally see happening and that, that more so than, um, and that makes sense that, uh, it goes in line with, uh, Bitcoin being this foreign exchange vehicle, uh, foreign currency exchange vehicle that, um, as people are, as the U S dollars maybe getting devalued a little bit, you know, it wasn't just the U S dollar, like a lot of currencies across the world were sort of devaluing because of the pandemic, but people were putting their money in Bitcoin you know, a maybe thinking it's a little bit of a hedge, but maybe to just get it out of the, US, the that that currency that's currently being devalued, get it to something else a little more stable, temporarily, um, and then uh, and then uh, as uh, inflation eases off, uh, people are just not uh, putting the not needing Bitcoin as much anymore, so they're not buying into Bitcoin at a higher price they're buying it at a if they're buying it they're buying it at a lower price because they don't need to move it out of the u.s anymore or and not as urgently at least um so i think that makes a lot of sense that's sort of like it's it's put the paints a picture of how bitcoin is maybe being used legitimately and that's uh and then you hear some talk about you know uh the potential for central bank digital currencies that um that they could create their own bitcoin it could be used just like Bitcoin, but sort of actually tied to um, the value of treasuries or the U.S. dollar, um, as opposed to the other stable coins that are out there, like uh, Tether, which is you know the, this sort of growing scandal around that about whether it truly is tied to it or not. 
Um, don't have a story on that. So I won't talk about that right now, but um, you can sort of see where uh, that, that push for stable coins is coming from. That if people are using it as this sort of international foreign exchange, uh, foreign currency exchange uh, transaction uh, process, then uh, it, that seems like a legitimate one outside of that's not, uh, you know, drugs, blackmail, and money laundering, that sort of thing. Uh, so, so knowing all of that, um, uh, that uh, had a number of stories about the sort of sort of uh, in the the wake of the the wake of the flood of the the Bitcoin collapse in uh, 2022, and that uh, I mean there's a lot of stories coming out about FTX uh, and a number of the other firms that are happening, and then it really is kind of fascinating that um, you know just not just how spectacular their collapse was, but just all the things that were happening with it. It just seems like a, just such a total mess. Um, uh, and, you know, just if you don't know about FTX, you know, I, I'm pretty sure everybody does at this point. But, you know, one of the largest uh, uh, Bitcoin exchanges, you know, uh, fall, falls into bankruptcy within, you know, within a matter of weeks. Uh, sort of like you were talking about like Enron is it a Ponzi scheme. You know, they're using uh, client uh, money for their own investments. They had this uh, sister trading firm, Alameda. That uh, that there essentially seems like they were sharing the same bank accounts, even though they're supposed to be separate entities, uh, which are all kinds of no nos. Uh, and they lost a lot of money when uh, their the crypto coin that they issued FTT collapsed in value, um, and that a lot of their the value that they were sort of built on was the value of their own coin. That how maybe they were propping up some way that just or just all a house of cards that came crumbling down. And a lot of people have talked about that, uh, you know, FTX was throwing a lot of money around politically. In general, crypto companies aren't politically involved. But, uh, um, but FTX and Sam Bankman-Fried, the CEO, was very, very politically involved. And he's just one of the biggest donors to the Biden presidency and uh, a number of congressmen and senators and was heavily lobbying. He was appeared, you know, congressional testimony on a number of subjects. And uh, the story we had was about how the things that he were he was lobbying about were actually sort of very, you can say it ironically, but it was just sort of like that's, they were at the center of a lot of these issues that were also led to its downfall. That um, like one of the biggest ones is that, um, that they were, uh, they were pushing for this whole idea of the direct clearing of derivatives. So, they wanted they wanted the CFTC to allow. It's sort of like um, in in general, like when uh, you know you had a trading a, firm, a trading exchange, a stock exchange, or something like that wants to sell your stocks because there's a run on a, the the values of everything's are collapsing, and they want to you know sell your stocks to sort of uh, make room for cash. And in general, you know, have your a broker dealer needs to make that choice about whether to sell it to sort of on your behalf, be like, no, this is a wise decision. Uh, you do want to sell it now because everything's collapsing, but they want to have sort of, because everything Bitcoin is like automated. It's all servers and scripts and things like that. They want to have direct clearing. That means not using a broker dealer, but just being like, well, if the price hits a low enough value, then we want, um, we want it to be automatically sold. Uh, just so, that we have, we have cash. You, you don't lose, uh, like a, you, you lose a little bit. You don't lose a lot. Um, 
that's a general idea. I mean, there's probably, there's a lot of other details into it. They, they had, they crafted their own plan that they were putting forth to the CFTC. Um, and they are also meeting with the SEC about this. And this is like some of the congressional testimony was about this. Um, and another term for it is like automatic liquidation. Uh, in a way, it's very similar to stop loss orders that like, if you say like, oh, I want you, uh, if the price is dropping so precipitously, you know, if it goes below $100, I want uh, it to automatically sell. Um, this is, that's like more of like, if you're the stock owner, you put that stop loss order on it. But it's the sort of same idea, just like sell it when it gets to a certain amount. Um, but, uh, and so it, it's not, it's this direct clearing, automatic liquidation thing. It's not legal in the U.S. And so FTX U.S. didn't have it. But FTX's international uh, arm, which is the one that collapsed first, uh, did have it. And that's one of, the, one of the major reasons why FTX International collapsed so suddenly is that when the price of FTT uh, drops, it was because, you know, Binance sold their whole share of it, which is a huge amount. Uh, so the price drops and then it hits this automatic liquidation, the stop loss trigger and it sells a lot more. And that's just sort of like, it just cascades from there. Just the price keeps going down and down and down because they're selling their own holdings of it. Uh, there's no opportunity, like broker deal dealers will also can inject more cash into a situation. Uh, there's, there's other things that they can do, sort of custom decision-making to sort of fend off a downward spiral. Um, uh, but, and so, and you know, everything's just like the downward spiral is going down and down and down. And uh, only a few days after all this is happening, FTX removes their proposal for direct clearing. And I guess they eventually realized the, the folly of the idea. And, um, and this is a sort of, this might, this is kind of like also a little novelty thing on top of all that is that they were sued uh, back in uh, 2019 for market manipulation and selling unlicensed securities and uh, running an unlicensed money transmission operation, uh, which is quite possibly true. Uh, but the, the lawsuit was thrown out as like a class act, kind of an oddball class action, a class action lawsuit. And it was under like racketeering laws. Um, and that, I mean, I can't say for sure or not like that, but it just, from just enough reading about this, you, you kind of get to believe that market manipulation in the crypto space is kind of constant. It's everywhere. It's just like a lot of people writing scripts that uh, that will do all kinds of crazy things to like move the prices back and forth and make money off of it. Um, and that's, you know, and a lot of them are probably selling securities uh, without a license because cryptocurrencies aren't really a lot of them aren't considered securities. Only a, a number of them are. Uh, and we'll get into that. That's a whole question, uh, ongoing debate about whether, you know, crypto coins are securities or not, or are they just commodities? But we will get into that in a second. And that, that it's all, and also there it's money transmission, uh, that without a license that you need a, and of course that's, that is what's happening here that people are moving money all over the place. Uh, even though it's, whether it's Bitcoin is money or not. Uh, well, anyhow, this, this lawsuit gets thrown out, but it's an interesting uh, one to think about that. Like, well, technically they are breaking a whole bunch of rules and the CFTC and the SEC just aren't doing anything about it. Uh, 
maybe some of those things are not uh, big deals, but I, I think at this point, uh, everybody's kind of realizing that, well, no, where were the regulators? They're all kind of asleep at the wheel that uh, if this is a Ponzi scheme, uh, that uh, and it, in a way it seems like it was, uh, it, uh, that and why didn't, why wasn't there any enforcement? So uh, FTX was really pushing for the CFTC to have oversight over uh, crypto coins rather than the SEC. And they, they're looking to formalize it. Currently, the CFTC does oversee uh, all commodity trading and uh, crypto, co- crypto coins and currencies and all that are all commodities. It does, commodity doesn't need to be pork bellies, doesn't need to be orange juice and things like that. It can be uh, non-physical objects, things that are just traded. They, they, they cover futures. You know, those are uh, derivatives and things like that. Uh, and so that, that, that's been the case for years now that that's already sort of a given, but the SEC covers securities and are cryptocurrencies securities or not. Um, there's all these, uh, there's a million cases going on about this and that the SEC has brought cases against a handful of uh, crypto companies saying that what you have right there is a security, um, but not all of them. It's sort of like very piecemeal. And like, why are they choosing this one company to go after and not another one? And uh, that, that there's a lot of complaints that there's no clarity on the subject. I mean, to be honest, in my own perspective, it's sort of like, well, you know, was FTX dealing in securities? Well, if you were borrowing money against the value of the, the, the crypto coin, then that sounds like a security there. That's the whole, like sort of just the etymology entomology of the word security is that you want that asset to be secure so that uh if you're borrowing against it that uh when if something happens and you need to get that 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 um asset back it's still there for you to uh, to to recover uh it hasn't disappeared somewhere somebody hasn't just taken it and used it for whatever they want to use it for um but th- there's a lot of other details to that. I'm, I'm not going to get into it because I, I feel like there's a lot of ways that um, that definition of security can be de- determined. But Bankman Fried was lobbying on this uh, all over the place. Uh, he, uh, he's uh, sm- supportive of this bill, uh, this Stabenow Boozman bill that would officially give power to the CFTC uh, to police cryptocurrencies. I think he actually also gave Boozman some uh, decent amount of money in the last election. Um, and that, uh, and you know, why, why all this is a little suspicious is that, uh, you know, everybody knows that the CFTC is a much smaller agency compared to the SEC is a lot bigger, has a lot more resources available, a lot more lawyers who know a lot of details. CFTC, they both kind of, in a way, a lot of times cover the same laws and they can bring this cases on similar subjects. But CFTC gets more into like derivatives uh, and futures and things like that. Uh, and the SEC can cover all those things as well, but again, it's just much bigger and a lot more, uh, a lot more it can it can do. Um, and uh, you know, so you know, it, it really just seems like they're trying to pick their regulator to go for like somebody who's not going to really do much regulation. So, um, what well, one other aspect about. Um, whether uh, cryptocurrencies are securities or not, is that um, you have to register with the SEC and um, you, a lot of times you have to provide a prospectus about what's uh, about the company's financial condition and the status of these, uh, 
these, you know, these, these cryptocurrencies there, uh, I think sometimes have to provide a market cap. I mean, how many coins are there issued? Um, the same way that stocks are just like how many shares are being issued at one time, uh, and all sort of like the details of that. And that's, uh, a lot of, uh, some of the time these, uh, the, the coins don't have that information. They have, there are a lot of other ways that they sort of release information about how they're liquidated and things like that. Um, uh, so, um, and we'll get back into that. That, that actually comes into the next story that comes, uh, uh, that becomes relevant, uh, related to, uh, the uh tokenized stocks uh issue about um whether they, they didn't have any did they have any prospectuses some details about uh how those were being issued um but to sort of give an example of so you know the sec has a lot more resources than the cftc but there's a lot of questions about well the sec didn't need things to be securities to go to to regulate these com these companies it doesn't really matter if it's determined security or not maybe for certain laws and things like that, that, um, it needs to be a security needs to be registered, but there people are talking about, do they need more laws in general? It seems like everybody keeps saying, no, there's plenty of laws on the books that these are all financial companies, um, that are being traded with, uh, you know, Americans and therefore, um, it, the, the sec could have gone after all of these companies and sort of, uh, found out and done some sort of regulation already. Um, and at the, ironically, at the same time of, uh, FTX's downfall that they, SEC won a, a legal battle against this, uh, crypto firm library, LBRY for a coin that they were issuing, uh, and, uh, saying that it needed to be a security and they find them, uh, and they're sort of like the, you know, what were they doing? Uh, but it, the, the question is like, why are they going after this like super small potatoes company, uh, that had a market uh, capitalization of its token was 8 million. You know, uh, FTX was dealing in, in billions, not well, uh, not 8 million is nothing. Um, and so, you know, what, what was their focus? What was Gensler actually doing? He seems like he was kind of asleep at the wheel, even though Gensler was kind of brought in as to be this uh, crypto expert at a time. Uh, and maybe he knows something about it, but he really just seems like they just let FTX just go crazy and nobody, there's no, there doesn't seem to be any info about FTX uh, being, uh, you know, any sort of discussion with between SEC and F FTX about like whether they should register secure register their crypto coins as securities or anything like that. And uh, you see what FTX was doing was that um, rather than them trying to get uh, uh, licenses for you know to for um, uh, licenses to sell securities and things like that. They were trying to buy companies that already had licenses. So th that's with this um, one firm, BlockFi, that settled with the SEC for 100 million, uh, and they agreed to register with the SEC, and that uh, FTX was going to lend it money to buy it out um, and take take their the clearance with them, uh, so they wouldn't have to go through the process themselves, which is a little bit suspicious. Like, why couldn't FTX just you go through the clearance process. Like, what do they got to hide? But with the collapse of FTX, uh, BlockFi halted all of their withdrawals. So um, they're they're also collapsing. Uh, or maybe we'll we'll see. Um, and so you know, again, what what was the SEC doing? Um, and again, you know, like 
the SEC could have brought uh, if if it turns out that FTX was you know borrowing client funds for their own investment without you know without registering as a security or like uh, you know without any sort of regulation or sort of concern about you know maybe you know it just seems like at that point they're just stealing client uh, funds for their own purposes. Uh, you know, a lot of this, the lawsuit will come out. Who knows? A lot of these details may change, but that is sounds. That's those are the hallmarks of a Ponzi scheme, um, and that not only could FTX uh, could the SEC have looked into FTX, but they also had um, uh, Alameda, FTX's hedge fund arm, uh, that they're all you know moving money back and forth between, sort of willy nilly. Uh, they were putting out ads to sort of saying that they were offering 15% annualized uh, uh, lending uh, returns uh, with no risk, uh, which is just, that's also the hallmark of uh, a Ponzi scheme that, uh, you know, you know, maybe 15% in certain, in certain places is, is not that crazy of a return, but to say no risk, I mean, every 401k and IRA and everything like that in the details has to say, you take on some amount of risk, um, by, you know, going into these uh, financial agreements that to say no risk is just ridiculous in the finance world in general. It's just like um, that you're, you're, that's just saying outright that you're running a Ponzi scheme uh, that, and the SEC, again, uh, the sort of SEC's selective enforcement that they charged this one company, BitConnect for uh, with a uh, uh, $2 billion fraud in 2021 for the exact same thing, promising high returns while using client funds, uh, promising high returns with no risk and uh, just sort of selective enforcement. Um, and that the, there's, uh, and what sort of precipitated a lot of the collapse in FTX, the sort of original thing was a story on Coindesk, Coindesk, a great uh, publication uh on Bitcoin stuff uh, that you, a lot of times you kind of think a lot of the Bitcoin stuff is just, it's just total mess and nobody's knows anything. You don't know what to believe, but Coindesk has been very reliable on this. And they, the ones that wrote the original story that said that it sounds like uh, Alameda, the hedge fund was using client front funds from uh, FTX for their own investing, sort of also a hallmark sign of sort of Ponzi uh, scheme and, uh, technically illegal, I think, uh, depending on how they did it. Uh, um, and that that led to uh, the sell-off in FTX, which, you know, and then the, the spiral and the collapse. So, yeah, so FTX, you know, uh, they're they're blatantly lobbying on the things that uh, they were guilty of and they, you know, they wanted, they didn't want any light slaps on the wrist. Uh, and for a while they got it until they collapsed. And now, uh, there's a million investigations going on. Uh, you know, he's been uh, extradited from the Bahamas. Um, one other aspect of what they were doing is that I don't think this has gotten much uh, traction in the major news is that uh, uh, they were in this whole, they were the uh, a major uh, promoter of tokenized stocks, otherwise known as tokens um, in particular. And they're not the only ones that do this, which is it's a, a uh, crypto coin that's tied to the price of uh, a stock on the stock market and that it's not just uh, tied to it. It's that it's actually when you buy the coin uh, it's there's, there's a transaction that like somebody buys that stock. There's a, um, 
there's a there's a broker uh, that sort of automates this uh, stock transaction, and so it, it enables people who are trading in all of these uh, coins and everything like that to um, to trade on stocks. That's sort of like uh, what uh, the crypto world wants is like sort of a stable coin. You know, it's like it's it's tied to the dollar, but these are tied to stocks, um, and it allows like some other things like you can do fractional trading of a stock. You can do like one point five shares of a stock um and uh and what not just that they were uh, in the the stoken world but they uh they're the ones that uh issued stokens uh tokenized stocks for uh the gamestop uh stocks so for those that are not familiar with the games the, the the meme stocks uh it's like gamestop and amc and there's a couple others that were Heavily promoted on the internet, particularly Reddit and this Wall Street Bets uh, forum, for these these uh, companies that uh, that were in general were not expected to make any kind of turnaround. That they were the most shorted stocks in uh, on the Dow Jones. Um, that nobody really thought that GameStop, which used to be this the store that sold video games in person, was going to make a comeback. That it seems like everybody just buys used video games online right now. They buy them from Amazon or something like that. Uh, but all these internet uh, nerds were like, well, no, we we're going to drive this uh, to the moon or whatever. And it didn't make any sense, uh, but the price went through the roof. And what they did is they were able to perpetrate a, uh, a stock squeeze, a, a short squeeze on the stocks. Um, so the hedge funds, these institutional hedge funds, uh, there were had heavily shorted the stock. Um, a short squeeze is when they keep the price of the stock up for long enough that eventually the those who are shorting the stock have to buy it out. They're saying like, well, you know, that you can't, uh, uh, you know, sort of short it forever. If it's at this price, um, it, has, it gets into like how shorting is, how you short a stock is, uh, um, how that happens. You actually have to borrow the stock to sort of bet that it's going to go down. Um, but they were able to, to keep the price up for so long that the hedge funds had to buy the price, buy the stocks at this huge price that, that went like through the roof. And, uh, um, and they took a huge loss on it because the, the, the difference between when they, they essentially bought, you know, between what the high price was and it's, uh, their, 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 the values that they bought it at or borrowed it at was huge. So, you know, they lost a lot of money, but it still doesn't make a lot of sense because the, the, the meme stockers who are pushing up the value of it, like they're, these, these, these stock values are going to crash. Some of them did already. Um, and it, it like, just doesn't make any sense. Like, uh, you know, the, the, the prices of the stocks are going to come down. The game stock, uh, stock price uh, crashed. Or it didn't totally crash, but you know they, they went down a lot. It was only uh, inside tra- inside holders of uh, AMC uh, sold their stocks in massive quantities, so they they at least made out. Those these people like the CEOs, the executives that had AMC stock, and they're probably you know realizing that just like they're just going to take a massive loss because AMC is just going going into the ground. Uh, now we're just like, hey, yeah, I'll sell my stock. And the, was it $864 million worth of stock uh, would be sold by executives. 
uh, during that price jump. Um, you know, I just like the inside, that's just a massive amount. Uh, and that's, uh, and there's this also it, it, some background also is that, uh, there's this guy, Ryan Cohen, who's the new CEO of GameStop said he was going to turn, uh, GameStop around. He's trying to do all these things. He did had an agreement with FTX about, they were going to use cryptocurrencies for video game transactions or something like that. But he didn't actually last that long. He was just sort of like boosting all the meme stock stuff. He was sort of like uh, cheerleading it. Uh, but then he, he left within a few months. Uh, uh, didn't seem like he uh, made a lot of, uh, he had put a lot of his own money uh, into the stocks, but it didn't seem like he uh, uh, necessarily uh, made a lot of money from his investment. Uh, so who knows what all that means. Okay, so getting back to... Uh, the tokens, the stock tokenization, uh, that FTX was the one that seems, seems like the only one that was actually creating tokenized stocks for GameStop and AMC. Um, and that, uh, you know, they, they, they created this agreement with this German broker dealer, CM equity that sort of, uh, versed in sort of these situations with crypto companies where, you know, that they ought do the, um, they're, they do this official tra uh, transaction that says that exchanges the cryptocurrency for the stock or, you know, essentially makes a, tra a, a trade and actually buys the, buys themselves the stock off the an actual uh, stock exchange um, to make it all actually connected to the stock price. Um, and so and this gets back to, you know, the whole idea of like, are cryptocurrencies, uh, are they... Uh, securities and therefore they have to have a prospectus that lists the number of coins available or not. And that FTX didn't appear to show how many uh, coins are available and what the market cap is. Because if you're thinking, Oh, this to tokenized stock is connected to the, the, the stock price, then there must be kind of like a one-to-one -one, uh, value of like uh, there's one stock, one share of stock and therefore there's one uh, token. No, that's not necessarily the case at all. Um, and uh, uh, so, um, so if that's that's an interesting thing, if you're maybe, I mean, if you're uh, smart enough to sort of look that up, that's maybe not a big deal. But if you're maybe a young kid who's like uh, trading in these uh, cryptocurrencies because this is something you can trade in that's not a stock, because if you're you know, under 21, I don't think you're going to be able to trade stocks like that. Uh, was it 18? I don't know what the age cutoff is, but you can trade uh, cryptocurrencies all over the place. Uh, are you going to be smart enough to know uh, that um, that uh, these there might be a gazillion uh, tokens for every stock? Therefore, the values are not equivalent, uh, even if you know if there's some. You think there's some arbitrage between the stock price and the token price, but you might be totally misled because there might be a gazillion tokens out there um, and only so many uh, stock uh, stock shares. Um, and that's uh, and while the 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 token itself wasn't the very popular, what you would see is that there there are also these things called wrap tokens, and that these are cryptocurrencies that are ostensibly tied to the stock price, but there's no uh, agreement like with the, this German broker dealer. There's nothing like that. There's no actual contract that says 
yes, the, uh, these are going to be connected to it um, in some way, shape or form. And there's a little question about like who is issuing some of these and is it just total junk? Is it there just to sort of take advantage of people who think it's just not looking up the details enough and think it's they're trading an AMC stock or GameStop stock and uh, it's not. And uh, the values are can go totally uh, any different direction. Um, and that it, and not only that, it's quite obvious that the this, this super popular AMC token was incredibly diluted. It was over 8 trillion tokens would be issued. So they're just flooding the market. If you thought you were buying one of those thinking you're buying AMC stock, uh, you know, it's, it's worth less than, you know, uh, a thousandth of a cent. Like it's totally worthless. If you paid anything more than a cent for that, you, uh, you lost your money. Um, uh, so, and that, yeah, there's no way that it could possibly track this, the value of the stock in any way, shape or form. Um, and then you see that like, well, not only, and it, it seemed like that somebody's that just putting that out there to fool somebody, uh, but that uh, FTX actually uh, bought some of it too. Maybe not a lot of it, but just sort of like, I, why would why would if you're a smart trader, you're not buying any of this, um, unless maybe it was a mistake or something like that. That you just assumed it was the other kind of it was the token, not the wrap token. Anyhow, it just all seems like a sort of a mess. Uh, FTX had their own wrap token, but it wasn't particularly popular. Um, uh, and, uh, trading volume was minimal. Uh, and that's FTX is like the main holder of it. I don't think they really got many, uh, anybody else to buy it. Um, there's a, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of like regulation stuff that goes around this, this tokenized stock. Like, um, they have to, like, if you do want to trade the, the, the token, you actually have to do this know your customer stuff where, uh, you have to fill out this form. I think you may have to like provide identification. You know, like they actually do uh, try and make sure that you're not like, it's, it's not completely anonymous. It's, it's very similar to trading of a stock, but just a little, uh, a little bit of a change there. Um, uh, but, uh, and so, uh, some of the other, uh, crypto exchanges that were doing this, like Binance, the other big uh, cryptocurrency exchange, uh, was also, uh, doing this not for GameStop and AMC, but, uh, they were doing it for other, uh, stocks. Uh, and they actually got issued a warning by the, the German uh, securities regular Baffin for, for not publishing a financial perspective, prospectus. Um, why FTX? who doesn't seem like they had uh, prospectuses at all, didn't say how much the market cap on their coins was. They didn't seem like they uh, um, got any sort of uh, critical eye from Baffin. Uh, who knows? That's a, you know, this is an ongoing story about why all these regulators are doing the selective enforcement. And, and this probably applies in, in a non-crypto world as well, is that, uh, that these uh, that why do they choose to enforce it for this one company where this other company seems to be just flouting the law all over the place? Um, and what's going on there? Uh, it, you know, maybe there's some corruption at stake or something like that. But who knows? Um, and that uh, you know uh, that uh, that there's a whole thing. Uh, there's an aspect about related to the Stokens about um, Robin Hood. Uh, was lobbying for, to use, uh, they wanted tokenized stocks, uh, that they could have used tokenized stocks when they got, uh, 
to avoid this, like, if you getting back into the meme stock, uh, sort of time period is that they got shut down because of just the volatility that was happening that, um, that they couldn't trade for like a day or two because it was uh, sometimes the stock exchanges will put pause on things being like, this is too crazy. Uh, every, we don't want things to completely fall apart and that, that if they had stokens available, they could have kept trading on the stoken exchanges. Uh, and because, and that could have kept going, but, uh, even though the, the stock exchanges were frozen, uh, um, that and you know, they had this like two day limit uh, that uh, that caused that that was the with Robinhood getting back into the Robinhood story is that part of the reason why they had to pause themselves is that they they ran out of cash because there's a two day uh, transaction uh, period for uh, th- that it takes two days for sort of these money to clear into certain accounts um, possibly just for like you know bank transaction uh, delay that sort of thing. And they're saying that that wouldn't exist with tokenized stocks because a lot of this crypto stuff is just instantaneous. There's no, um, there's no uh, delay. There's no, no, you know, banking regulator has to sort of make sure that it's not coming from a, uh, you know, a, a drug dealer or something like that. So they're they're pushing the to- token thing all over the place. Um, but uh, that. Uh, that, uh, and here's another example of the selective enforcement thing is that uh, the SEC and CFTC both uh, went after this one firm, Abra, for selling wrap tokens, the ones that are not actually tied to the, to the stock price, because um, they were unregistered securities. Uh, again, why are they going after certain companies saying that they're securities while other ones aren't? Uh, and that uh, sort of, you know, insinuating that, you know, that you know, there's insider trading still applies to tokenized stocks, even though it's not the stock itself. Um, but, uh, which all of that kind of implies, you know, this is uh, sort of reading into it a little bit more is that were insiders boosting the price so that they could, uh, for, boost the price so that they could sell their, their stocks, which they were stuck otherwise doing, um, and sort of flout insider trading laws, which technically would still apply, but nobody sort of recognizing that the C, uh, SEC would would not think of it, or at least they're not uh, quick enough to realize that that might be happening. And it was all just sort of a pump and dump uh, operation, maybe. I mean, uh, that would have to. That's more. That's that seems like what was happening, but uh, can't say for sure. Uh, but you know, um, in general, after. Uh, uh, all of these, this, this uh, focus on stokids and things like that, and uh, meme stocks and all that, uh, all these places shut down their tokenized stock operations. Uh, Binance shut down theirs in, in July of 2021. Uh, FTX has removed all references to their on their site to uh, to stokens. Uh, Bitrex shutted their tokenized security section, um, uh, and they're, they're going to refund all the current holdings. Uh, and that's, uh, I don't know if there's anybody still in it. Maybe there's somebody else that's still doing it, but, um, uh, it just, it, they seem like, no, that's not actually going to happen anymore. I don't know if it's, uh, because nobody was actually trading the tokenized stocks. They actually wanted to trade in the wrapped, uh, stocks because 
there actually wasn't any money to make to be made from it. That uh, that the money to be made was off of you know gaming the naive thinking that they were trading stocks and making money off of it when they were actually buying something that was totally useless. So I uh, don't know for sure, but that's that's what it seems like. And uh, another one, uh, speaking of Binance, and another one of sort of like the selective enforcement uh, question. But this one, it's about FDIC. Uh, so you know, Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, they insure uh, all the banks in the U.S. to say that, you know, you know, if this, this bank collapses, we insure that money that you had in the bank for X amount of dollars. So, so say that, like, if everything collapsed, your money would not disappear. Um, and in uh, July of 2022, sort of like uh, around when, uh, you know, Bitcoin prices were collapsing, they started emailing all these places, uh, not just uh, <coughs> crypto exchanges, uh, but like uh, crypto news sites saying like, you guys are talking about these crypto exchanges as if they're FDIC insured and they are not insured. Um, FTX, we get a letter, Voyager Digital, uh, I'm not familiar with them. They're like one of the earlier ones to, to collapse. Uh, um, that's uh, as Bitcoin prices collapsed, uh, they went down quite quickly and, and filed for bankruptcy early. Um, but they're all saying that like uh, your, your assets are, some variation of your assets are at, uh, at our exchange are FDIC insured. And FDIC is saying you're representing or implying that an uninsured deposit is insured. And we, here's a cease and desist order. Uh, and that's cryptocurrencies are not FDIC insured in any way, shape or form. <coughs> so, so um, the FDIC, you know, says that they only, well, some of the places would say that, oh, your U.S. dollar assets at our exchange are held, are FDIC insured. And that's like maybe a little bit, at least more accurate than uh, saying your all of your assets are insured. Uh, that, uh, and, and all of these places would uh, remove all references to saying they're, they're FDIC insured. So, um, so to say that uh, your assets, like what would what these uh, companies were doing is that if they had U.S. dollars, they would put it in a bank account that's held by the exchange, and and the fact that it's in that bank account is means that's FDIC insured. Uh, and I mean, I think what that it's it's called pass through uh, insurance that like your assets are not insured. It's it's not saying that. It's saying that our assets that we're holding on behalf of you are insured because they're in a U.S. bank. Uh, and that's, uh, and even that we'll get into like what, whether that's actually true, or like how, how they were describing it was actually still a little inaccurate there. So after FDX's collapse, we're finding out that they had, they had taken over a bank in Washington state, the super small one, Farmington state bank. Uh, and that's uh, and that's and there's a couple other places that do something similar there. That uh, that uh, Binance uh, had an agreement with. There's this one Silvergate Bank that works with crypto uh, companies a lot. Um, and yeah, like and that's a that's a, a you know a fine thing to do. That they're holding your money, they're putting it in an actual bank, which is you know probably a smart thing to do. Um, and that uh, once these. Uh, once FTX took took over this bank, that a lot of money started appearing in this, this super small bank. That's like, you know, this is like a one room schoolhouse uh, that's now 
got, you know, you know, 20 million more dollars in it than it used to. Um, but what's unique is that, uh, Binance had been talking about FDIC insurance all over the place and FDIC never lifted an eye towards them. They said like, uh, we don't care. Um, that, uh, that there's no reference to the FDIC ever in mentioning Binance or anything like that. Uh, and that the, you, they were working with Silvergate, uh, and that, uh, or at least at a time they were working uh, with Silvergate through, uh, 2021. Um, and that there were news stories talking about it. Like uh, there's a story in Yahoo news and Cointelgraph, this uh, cryptocurrency uh, news site, nerd wallet, uh, saying that, Oh, you know, our, your assets are FDIC insured. Uh, and even if they were at a time or pass through insured or something like that, um, they're, they're not anymore because uh, the uh, Binance and Silvergate ended their agreement uh, in 2021. So even if it was at a time, it's no longer true yet. All these places are still saying uh, it was. And uh, uh, the only thing that seems to have changed is that Binance had a blog post describing the arrangements and that they took that down. Uh, and so what they were describing was that, uh, you, this path pass through FDIC insurance up to the, the, the coverage limit, which is $250,000. Um, and just in case the, the, the bank fails. Uh, and so, and that, so what, what, what's that, what, what even that is may not be totally true is that, uh, well, I, I should describe, there are some other situations that, uh, FDIC, uh, or these, these, uh, crypto companies were trying to, have FDIC insurance on some of their uh, uh, what on, the, on some of their coins was that uh, it was not Binance itself, but they had a Binance branded coin called BUSD, but it was issued by a different company. Uh, these two other companies, Gemini and Paxos. Um, Paxos is the one that brands uh, the BUSD one. That's you know it's a, a stable coin. It's supposedly you know connected to the U.S. dollar. Uh, and that, uh, that was described as that's being held in FDIC insured accounts at, uh, banking institutions like Silvergate and State Street. But, uh, so this, this, um, researcher from Yale, uh, Steve Kelly, Stephen Kelly, uh, pointed out on Twitter, uh, there's a, a very, um, very, uh, uh, smart, uh, point to make is that, uh, FDIC insurance only, protects certain accounts at a bank, not anything and everything related to the bank. And that the limit is $250,000 per bank account. Uh, and that chances are Binance is not, or, or Paxos or whoever it is, are not opening up separate uh, bank accounts for every single crypto user on their platform, which might be millions of people, uh, or at least hundreds of thousands, uh, something like that. And that essentially I bet chances are, they have maybe a, a few accounts and therefore that's only $250,000 for those, uh, for how many accounts that might be just $250,000, not, uh, and if there's millions of dollars or billions of dollars, uh, being, that uh, are being held, uh, there's only $250,000 coming back if that there's, uh, that bank collapses. Um, so that's not much money to be insured for. So that may not be much comfort. Um, uh, and that uh, and a number of these sites, the Gemini site uh, that had the GUSD uh, coin at a time had this uh, saying that it was eligible for FDI insurance, uh, FDIC insurance up to $250,000 per user. They went all the way to say per user, 
but then that that language has since been removed. So maybe they realized um, error of their ways. Um, and so, like you know, that's it, this is all very important as all of these crypto companies are collapsing. Is that there is no insurance for this really? Very little, if at, at all, uh, if everything goes south. That um, and you know, combined with the the chances are that people are borrowing uh, client funds to do who knows what with. Um, that there's like very little security in in having your assets uh, at, at these places. Uh, and that, uh, you know, things can go south quite dramatically. That uh, Bitcoin, not a store of value. And they can go down. They can go down by a lot. Uh, uh, although it, it, Binance has been trying to push this whole thing about um, that uh, they have their own insurance fund that called the Secure Asset Fund for Users that essentially they pay to uh, as their own insurance against uh, uh, and that's when a hacker stole $40 million worth of Bitcoin from the exchange that they, they refunded everybody's money. And uh, I kind of wonder, you know, there's a lot of details to that, that we don't know about. I mean, if, if, if there's a collapse of billions of dollars, will they be able to cover that? I don't know. Um, that's a good, good question. And there's, I think where a lot of people are also sort of realizing not to take a lot of these uh, crypto companies at their word. That's, um, a lot of things that Sam Bankman-Fried was saying were just, you know, blatantly wrong. Even though he just seemed like he was trying to be as transparent as possible, he just sort of, oh, here, you know, here's what we're doing, and I we're trying really hard, and that, and a lot of the things he said were just blatantly wrong. Whether he was just, just naive and, uh, or just like actually just, just constantly lying, uh, will probably come out in the court cases. Um, but uh, yeah, don't don't don't. Uh, I can't just take people at their word. Um, I, I think one uh, another one uh, might be worthwhile of a story is that uh, Binance has been talking about how they have uh, proof of reserves that here say like, oh, we're not like FTX. Your uh, the money is still there. The crypto coins are still there. Um, that uh, we haven't taken it and gone off to the Bahamas or wherever else, or use them to borrow against to buy. Um, sports cars and pro uh, property all over the place. Um, that your money is there because we have this uh, way to prove it. We have it's using this thing called Merkle trees, and uh, it's a little it gets a little technically complicated. But a Merkle tree, it says that uh, that if you have like all these bank accounts, and it, it does a uh, it shows that uh, that the it does like an, a, an, a hash, uh, an encrypted version of the value in each bank account and shows that those when combined together form the, the encrypted version of uh, the, this, 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 of the total uh, bank account to sort of say all the bank accounts add up and it's just done in an encrypted way uh, so that you don't, people don't see uh, the actual values in each bank account. You're not showing off what people have. Um, but that's not actually a proof of reserves whatsoever. Um, that uh, it shows that a all the numbers add up, which um, which is I mean I mean that maybe that's something to have. Like if the numbers don't add up, then uh, you've got that's uh, fraud. Uh, uh, but they don't say what it adds up to, uh, and that you would actually have to see the actual numbers. You can say that oh yes, all the numbers add up to twenty dollars. Uh, that doesn't really help because that's very little money. There should be billions there. Um, so, you know, how does that help anybody? Um, 
And it, it doesn't, it's not a proof of reserves at all, which is like proof of reserves is something that like, you know, a formal audit by a, uh, like a big auditing company does. Um, and, and that, that gets into the whole thing about like, how are these companies being audited? Uh, they, like there's a couple companies that signed off on audits, but they weren't like super thorough audits. Um, and that's, uh, that's a, that's a whole another set of questions. That's a whole pa Pandora's box that can open up. And that's why, and that's why uh, the crypto stuff is pretty fascinating because it's just sort of like, wow, what is going on here? This is all absolutely crazy. And, uh, um, how many layers are there? Is there going on to it? All the regular, the lack of regulation, the lack of accounting, lack of who knows what else is, is happening there. So, um, interesting stuff to some more stories coming this way. Um, and, uh, look for, look for more, uh, Bitcoin stories on investigative economics.